I went to jail recently. I was in a little jail just for a little bit. This is episode 62 of Insert Credit, the most gorgeous situation in podcasting. I'm Alex Jeffy, and at this time last week, I was helping Michael DeSanta get through a particularly bad trip. Oh, a PTP. Oh, uh, yeah, well, I'm Frank Spaldi. At this time last week, I was was home expecting to do the podcast because I I forgot everyone was in Japan, so it was sad and lonely. Oh, so sad, so sad, so sad. Last, uh, my name is Tim Rogers, and uh, last week at this time, I was uh, me and Brandon Sheffield were in Japan. And what were we doing at the time? That it was, it was morning time, and we were going to visit uh, Yoshiro Kimura's house, weren't we? Yeah, maybe. I don't remember. Yeah, we were on our way to Yoshiro Kimura's house to uh, discuss particulars of a thing. And he's yeah. a real cool guy, by the way, Yoshiro Kimura. He's one of my favorite dudes. I've been talking to him a lot in the last couple days on the chats. Oh, I, cool. if, if you're watching right now, special flag uncle, uh, what's up? I'm gonna talk to you. I'm gonna send you an email later. I don't think he's watching though. No. Uh, so here's the first question: Did anything actually happen at TGS? Yeah, nope. I know. I, I know. I didn't introduce myself, but it doesn't matter because Tim said what I was doing. Already. Yeah, I did. I did oh, say I was with gone. Brandon Sheffield, and uh, that kind of served as a Brandon Sheffield's that other guy there. By the let, way, let's let, let's not. Let's not give everyone a look into how the sausage is made, Brandon. Uh, topic number one, did anything actually happen at TGS? No. Nah. I mean, I went there. We so had a really neat... happened. Some other people went there also. Um, we, uh, what we did, we, we sure did dominate some JP dudes at Titanfall. Oh, oh I want to mention for the uh, listeners who are tuning in for the first time that TGS is the Tokyo Game Show, yeah, uh, which... A... Uh, Tim Rogers and Brandon Sheffield uh, attended, uh, which is why we had no show last week, and you know, now we're kind of going over it. What I wasn't that there, but first-time uh... listeners, by the way, mm-hmm. do 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 <laughs> long-time listeners know what TGS is more than people that are listening for the first time? Maybe um, I think we've mentioned it a bunch of times on this show. A lot of people think it's the the fictional television program on the TV show Thirty Rock. I think. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> that is, it is, is uh, called TGS. Well, so so I didn't go go to Tokyo Game Show or TGS as uh, longtime listeners refer to it. But um, something that I did notice that happened is is an emerging uh, uh, ruin porn market around uh, TGS. And if uh, you guys don't know what uh, the term ruin porn is for our old, you know, for first time listeners, um, ruin porn would be like when people post pictures of abandoned buildings and stuff, or like they go to Detroit and show how broken down it is. Yeah, uh, and people like to look at that stuff. I've noticed that a lot of people are just ruined pornographers when they go to Tokyo Game Show. Just yeah, they're like showing pictures of empty spots and blank areas where there's nothing, and uh, saying, "Yeah, there used to be stuff here, now there's not." Yeah, me and me and Vito did a little bit of that uh, at this really empty zone at Tokyo Game Show. We just did a video of me just like standing in the middle and the camera swirling around me because there's nothing there. Uh, 
but yeah, we, we did a little bit of that. I, I must attest to that. So you, guys, but you, it, you guys are ruined pornographers. We did a, little empty bit of, zone. did a little bit of RP, yeah. The Feel Empty Zone is a, a, people's least favorite Sonic the Hedgehog level. But uh, <laughs> we... <laughs> man, the, the feel, <laughs> so me and, uh, me and Brandon and Vito were a three-man, three-bro team, and we destroyed some dudes at Titanfall. Uh, despite us not exactly being uh, pro FPS players, despite yes, right now I'm holding a, a Mad Cat's FPS Pro controller, which is a very nice controller. Um, uh, we, we we destroyed them. Do you remember that? Yeah, I remember yeah. that. We uh, we dominated the heck out of these dudes, and we were watching people as we were waiting in line, and they were just like turning in circles and like aiming their guns up and down, and it's like what a bunch of noobs. Yeah, we I felt I felt really bad when. Uh, they were, they were just there was a group of six dudes <laughs> in inside of a building where they thought they were safe for some reason inside of a building just just turning around with their guns out just turning around just spinning in place and it was uh, pretty comical and uh, I shot them with a grenade launcher and they all died you got like and a mega that, kill I just felt really yeah it it said something like Manslaughter or something when I killed all those guys at the same Slaughter time. Slaughterman. It was uh, it was a little. I felt a little sad about it because they just they clearly were all touching the there controller were, for the first time. There were a lot of uh, Japanese video game dude Nichans in line, and they were all like Kakui. They were like saying this game looks so cool. Like oh my god, those robots are awesome. Oh my god, this game looks awesome. Those graphics are fantastic. That gun is so cool. And I'm like, wow, these guys are really... I mean, Japan, uh, as the slice of Japan viewable at Tokyo Game Show, uh, among the people waiting in line, the lines would later be three to four hours just to play Titanfall, which is scary considering it's a it's an American-made FPS. But they got them with the robots. They seem to have gotten the Japanese game fans with the robots. And they well, also, the it's not like there were other games there. Yeah, there sure wasn't no other games. Well, they had that Monster Hunter 4, which was available to purchase uh, on the 3DS already. But yeah. pe- if people played it, they got a free little dongle thing for their phone or whatever. They love dongle things. Yeah, they love waiting in line four hours to play a video game that they've already logged 200 hours into. They're like playing Monster Hunter 4 in line to play Monster Hunter 4 and then to get a little thing to put on their whatever electronic device. I want to just say, this is my first time back in Japan in three years, and uh, I was surprised by a couple of things that I can mention. If you guys oh, want good. To hear. That's topic number two, so we could just bleed right into it. Well, Do actually, you want I, to... want, I want to say oh, another okay. thing about TGS first. Sure. Do I, I, I want to earn a point for having guessed the next topic, though, so give me <laughs> sure. a point. Give me a ding-dong later, if you feel like uh, but The host is yeah. ding-dong. The... What was I going to say? <laughs> yeah. It was about, about TGS. Yeah. About stuff about Tokyo Game Show to end the, uh, the the topic. Yeah, god darn it. I definitely had stuff. Uh, it was, um, you know, it was... Oh, I remember. But um, before I say the thing that I remember, it was just really weird to see how Tokyo Game Show had basically just become game show. There wasn't mm-hmm. very much Tokyo. It was just, you know, you had Wolfenstein. Well, so they have, like, the price is had, right. Uh, you had Titanfall. You had, um, you know, you had... Wolfenfall what? and uh, Titanstein. Wolfenfall, Titanstein. GTA V was there. There was a giant alien... Uh, what's that thing called? Alien thing? 
Goddamn, I can't remember Alien those games. Alienware? Oh, yeah. Vortigaunt. Yeah. They had a giant booth, and it was just like basically an American show, except there was some Japanese games there, which is what American shows are anyway. And also mm-hmm. all the announcements had already been made. But um, so uh, the thing I wanted to mention was with with all these dudes saying, wow, the graphics look so cool, the guns look amazing. I was also looking at that Psycho Break game, a.k.a. The Enemy Within or whatever it's called. Evil Within. Evil Within, yeah. Yeah. Thievil. And that's that's the new Mikami game. And I looked at it, and it was sitting next to Wolfenstein, and I was like, oh, that's weird, because I thought this was an American game corner. It's like, it's very strange, because this game looks like a Japanese game. uh, In that it doesn't understand how to use high-definition... In in that in Assets yeah in that in that the graphics look like they are from two thousand six like they're the first first round of Xbox three sixty PS three games and so I just I had a thought like I wonder if people will eventually be nostalgic for really shiny uh, normal maps with a single point of lighting that uh, basically look really bad and puppeteer animation which is what this game coming out in 2014 is going to look like. I wonder if, if people will... Because I, I, I looked at it and I had a brief, like, aw, I remember that kind of moment. Right um, now it's uh, it's sort of unimaginable that someone would be nostalgic for, like, bad PS2 graphics. But it's, it imagin- it's imaginable that someone could be nostalgic for PS1, so maybe time will catch up with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's and what I'm it took wondering. Me, it took me a long time to... Like admit that people might have actually liked the way the PS1 looked. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think oh, maybe, maybe Mega Man Legends 3 proved that. Yeah, I think there was. A, I think I don't know. I liked PS1 games. Uh, Game Fan kind of made me like the look of PS1 games before I even owned a PS1 because I saw like screenshots of Toshinden or whatever, and I was just like, "That looks sweet." The end. Right uh, yeah, on. I didn't like it because I hated. Uh... Sony. The, the death of um, 2D, which is what I viewed as happening. There were still a the bunch of 2D. We're oh. straying too far from the topic. Uh, Tim, let's right. go on to your super point. Super point. What's yeah. changed? Uh, for our first-time listeners, again, uh, <laughs> Tim, uh, Tim has lived in Japan for about nine years. That's, That's like my whole a, life, qu- yeah. a quarter of his life. And uh, a little more than that. A little more something than we don't bring up a whole lot, but it's kind of influenced the big deal of what he's about. This is yeah. first time going back since he's moved to America. I moved and, to America uh, about three years ago, yeah. And uh, what have you gained from uh, this latest excursion to the Orient? Well, here's here's a couple of bullet points for what uh, I got going back to Japan for two weeks. Bottom line review. Bottom line, reviews. <laughs> okay, first of all, I was waiting in the airport for two hours for uh, Vito Giswaldi to show up. Vito Giswaldi's been on the podcast. He came to Japan with us. Uh, he, he was flying out of L.A., and uh, I was flying out of San Francisco, so we were on different planes. While waiting in the airport... Uh, for no- first-time listeners, L.A. stands for Los Angeles. Yes, yes. So Vito Giswaldi shows up. Before he showed up, I counted maybe like seven old men with Bluetooth earpieces. Seven Japanese old men with Bluetooth earpieces. I had never seen that in Japan, ever. I'd never seen a hands-free Bluetooth earpiece. So that was one thing. It was always the the old Japanese men would 
bust out this Lego-looking phone with, like, giant buttons, and they'd be, like, like, talking on it like that, whereas now they've got smartphones and Bluetooth. That's one thing. Number two, uh, lots of girls in Japan have Android phones, which kind of blew my mind. They have giant Android phones, and it's, like, you figure the girls would want the iPhones, especially now there's a goddamn gold one, right? That it just kind of blew my mind that there's girls with these Samsung Galaxy Note phones that they, their hand is just so strained by it that it looks like they're wearing a catch an invisible catcher's mitt, you know? And it's just like what the heck? And uh, that's another thing. Another thing, babies. I saw a lot of babies. I oh, saw more. More babies in Tokyo in these two weeks that I was there than I must have seen in the last five years that I lived in the country. Like, I'm not even kidding. There were just people with babies in Starbucks sitting with their baby, carrying their baby, whereas previously, and trust me, I'm a guy who pays attention to babies because I sure don't like them, right? I don't like being near them. It's like I'd, I'd rather have cockroaches in my house than babies, to be perfectly honest. Uh, so that's that's one thing. And then another thing – Coffee is so much better in Japan. It is so much. What do you, what do you mean by that? Is it just like the the quality of the beans? Or? The, the quality. I mean, you of, told me that before. The quality of the the beans. Uh, the quality of the roast. The quality of the. I don't know what it is. They're they're just real fetishistic about their coffee over there. And uh, I can go sit down. And Brandon went to my favorite little cafe with me, the Lombar Ranbudu. But you didn't have yeah, a drink. Ramble. Yeah, Ramble. It's just this place where you're in the middle of Shinjuku, and there's a little tiny sign that's in hiragana and French, right? And it's like, come on in, cafe, you know? And then you go in, and it's just like the size of a phone booth, and then there's a sign that says 200 seats downstairs. And you go downstairs, and it's this massive cave full of plants, wood, uh, and velvet. And uh, there's like a big wooden etching of Beethoven hanging on the wall and they play Beethoven in the restaurant and you just order a cup of coffee and they bring it down in a French press for you and uh, uh, it just tastes so good and so real and I just had a, a, in comparison I just had a cup of coffee at a little place by the Temescal Alley Barbershop while I was getting my hair cut and it's like, man it was a cappuccino and it's not nearly as uh, it's like some guy's making it with some machine that he made in his own wood shop and I don't know, he works at a at a startup somewhere and does coffee two hours a day. It's like, I, I don't know. That's just, uh, it's it's unearned is what it feels like. Whereas these people at Ranburu have been there for like a hundred years and that's kind of cool. Next point, uh, uh, I bought new eyeglasses in Japan. Uh, I don't want to uh, talk too much about them because I would rather just wear them on next week's episode of the podcast. And uh, they're, uh, uh, so when I bought them, I got I, the best customer service I've ever gotten with anything. The, first of all, because I walked into the eyeglass shop wearing a pair of glasses that they had handmade, right? And uh, they were just really nice to me and really friendly. And the guy, when he gets my glasses, he's holding them with two hands, and he's like, like puts them down on the table and takes my glasses off and puts them down. He's wearing gloves. And I went to get lenses in the glasses here in America because I didn't have a week to get them in Japan. And... Uh, the lady's just like, let me see these, and she opens the case up and just takes the, the glasses out and puts them down with a hand, and I'm like, this is voted best eyeglass shop in uh, this, the city of San Francisco, and she's just like flopping stuff out and putting it down, and she was very methodical, and she had uh, uh, obviously you know, worked a lot with glasses before and is a professional eyeglasser, but uh, man, it didn't make me feel good for her to be 
thunking around my eyeglasses that are, yes, made of solid gold. Uh, Frank saw them. You I saw did. Glasses. I did. I actually like your glasses a lot. Oh, thanks. I'm going to be wearing those soon. I'm looking forward to their debut. Uh, so that's, that's those reason the, enough to, for our first-time listeners to become second-time listeners next week. Yeah, to be excited about my new glasses. I'll use a, uh, a high-definition webcam so you can appreciate the, uh, the, the fine details of them. Wait for first-time listeners, uh, customers. Too. Yeah, for first-time listeners, glasses mean spectacles. Oh yeah. For first-time like bifocals minus a focal. Yeah. For first-time listeners, first-time listeners means FTL. <laughs> sure. Uh, so, what about you, uh, Brandon? Did you like Japan? It was I. Um, I noticed a few things. I noticed that a lot of the vegetarian restaurants that I had been to either. <laughs> Closed, closed, or stopped being having a vegetarian option altogether. Uh, so I actually ate fewer meals on that trip than any other trip prior. I think, which was unfortunate. Um, I uh, yeah yeah I had about the same experience. Yeah, I I, brought, I ate a lot more mediocre Indian food than I had hoped to do. That, that's about the only kind of Indian food they have over there, by the way. It I, I, I brought a giant bag of almonds and raisins, and I ate all of it. Yeah, I ate, I, I, I ate half of my bag of almonds and half of my... Well, I have more to say, though. I'm going to say go, a little more about it. it. Just go uh, for it! Akihabara has changed quite a bit. They have a lot, a lot fewer games. They have a lot less of the retro stuff. Um, and that that thing that we have talked about on here before, where uh, that super potato place, they they bought up all the old stock and then were making the prices high. Well, that was two years ago. Now they appear to be in a different phase of the plan where they are actually more reasonable than many of the others, and I think that may be in an effort to completely corner the market and have nobody else selling games, which it's very close to already. And uh, yeah. and, and then they'll be the only game in town, then they can charge whatever the heck they want. All the uh, good retro game stores in Akihabara are either gone or tiny now. Yeah, and I, I asked the guy at the arcade shop, Mac Japan, you know, I was like, the prices seem to have gone up, and he's like, oh, which prices are you referring to? And I was like, well, all of them. And he's like, yeah, well... There's not so much stuff left, so I guess that's what's going on. I I I would not be surprised if we are getting closer to that time I've predicted, where there is mo- there are more retro games and Japanese arcade games outside of Japan than inside of it. Yeah, yeah that, that was that that was going to be my question. Like like, do you do you think that's because we discovered Akihabara and cleaned them out? Uh, I think it's I think it's a lot of that. Yeah, I think that uh, it's. I think that most of Akihabara currently exists in America, Japan, uh, England, and Germany. I would say that is where Akihabara currently exists. I mean, I've got, I've got, what, almost 300 boxed PC Engine games. I'm part you, of that problem. You did it. You did I it. I did it. I did it. I'm going to get out the handcuffs. Brandon. You Clank killed you. Akihabara. Yeah. I uh, I killed a little bit of Akihabara myself this trip. Uh, I bought a bunch of games that I will gladly show on a special episode. 
I, I was going to do that this week, but uh, we could save it. We, can Look, save. We, we already have two special episodes. We haven't... No, this yeah, is yeah. no, no. This isn't a special. This is. Uh, let me finish my sentence, please. Huh. This is. This is not a special insert credit episode. It would be a side episode. I see. That me and Brandon could possibly do together. That sure. sounds good. I'm good with that. Where where all we do is just show our games and discuss them for an hour. Uh, let's let's move on to non TGS related uh, matters, which need to be covered. All right. Who should be the most excited about the Steam controller? Me, uh, Valve. <laughs> right? Correct, Valve. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Gamers. I did it. Gamers. Gamers who work at Valve. Yeah. Man. Valvers. Have you guys Valvers, actually? Yeah. Have you guys actually thought about that controller? Because uh, it's probably yeah. the best. Yeah, I thought about it a little bit. It's I probably the best. I thought about how I don't need it. Yeah, you do. Well, you will later, but you just you don't you're not thinking about it now. It's okay. Like I, without having touched it, I assume that it's really great for everything except old games. And you know what? I got a bunch of controllers for old games. They're probably not going to stop making them. So, mm-hmm. so I want it. Frank, can you describe the Steam controller for our first-time listeners? <laughs> well, we discussed this in depth last week, but I guess we can repeat this. Um, well, gee, I, I would assume almost everyone listening to this has seen the Steam controller, but essentially, what is it? It has three uh, circular um, sort of touchpads that that are in place of the, the sort of analog nubs that you'd have on normal controllers, um, which sounds kind of frightening, except that if you look at them, they have grooves on them that kind of tell you where your thumbs are positionally, and they also click and they have uh, haptic feedback. So um, if I'm not mistaken, you can kind of zone them off and use them as four buttons. You sure can. Um, and then in the middle is a touch screen that is also like a Mac uh, touch pad mm-hmm. uh, that you can click in, which is great. I mean, it's like the best of both worlds, right? Then you mm-hmm. have four face buttons sort of in funky positions that are obviously not like twitch buttons, they're like more menu option buttons, and then three weird ones on the back. You've got your triggers on top, or bumpers I guess you'd call them, and then they've got these sort of triggers in a place that I don't know why it took forever for people to put triggers here, but on the back of the controller where your fingers are back. Yeah, where your fingers are like resting anyway. Kind of like a paddle shifter on a a car. Yeah, like like if you just kind of squeeze a little bit, you'll put another button there. I think it sounds like a goddamn brilliantly designed thing. Uh, I like the. I wrote that article on on uh, Kotaku about the Mac trackpad and how it should mm-hmm. teach a whole bunch of stuff about game controls to people. And uh, this seems like they got all of those ideas because the Mac Magic trackpad, not the little one that's in the the MacBooks, but the big one that they sell separately, is a big square that it has nine buttons on it. And it, it, you can actually divide it up into nine zones. So you have the upper, the, just all the corners and the center. You can divide it up into zones so that you can do like two finger tap on one zone is one button, then a, a click is another button. And uh, I mean, you can just do a whole bunch of stuff. And I just, my brain exploded thinking of what you could do with two trackpads. And now that I know you can have two of these, like one on each thumb with uh, four different zones on each one because it divides them up into wedges. And there's the haptic feedback thing. That's just, that's crazy, man. It's just, uh, there's, yeah, there's so much stuff you're going to be able to do with it that it's just, uh, it's nuts. There was a thing on Gamma Sutra where the, uh, 
programmer Super Meat Boy was talking about playing Super Meat Boy with it and uh, feeling like it was pretty good because he had it set up so the right uh, touchpad was just one big button. So, and the buttons are clicky, so it's like even like super clicky as a button, which is what I want. I feel like it's probably a really good controller, and I would yeah, like. Yeah. Oh. I happen to have a prototype of it right here, for those of you that are that are looking uh, oh on, on, your, on your internet. Uh, it's it's a uh, it's got a lot more buttons on it <laughs> than than the final version, but you know it's pretty good. The end. Nice. So, visual joke, audio listeners. There's nothing to be done about it. Yeah, you know what? To 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 get jokes like these, you need to tune in live every week. Yeah. We're gonna have one. We're gonna have one hidden visual joke every week from now on. An HVJ. A hidden visual joke. I got it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, for, right. Yeah. Yeah. For our first-time listeners and my first-time FTL. I mean, people you mean who F- just tuned in at this second of the podcast. You mean FTLs? Yes. Yeah. And what about the buzzer noise there? to move on? I believe. Yeah, that's good. Go for it. Click sure. it over. With its new item shop system, The Legend of Zelda, shop. A Link Between Worlds, is delivering a shake-up to the series' linear formula. Is How would true? you accommodate this structural change, and what wanna... other adjustments would you welcome in the series? I want to know what it is. What is yeah, it? I don't know. I don't know what you're basically, about. Need... Instead that of find... basically, instead of finding items in dungeons, you can buy all the items you need for the dungeons in a central item shop and basically do the dungeons however you like. Oh, you mean so it has a normal f- feature that all other games have? That's cool. That That's sounds uh, whoa. Whoa. Hang on, hang on a second. Feature. Hang on a second, Brandon. Have you you're played, really misunderstanding. Have you played video games before? Uh, they don't all do that. Uh, like, for example, Gears of War doesn't have a shop where you can buy a bazooka in the first level that you could just walk into and buy. Like, oh, is, I guess I guess I am somewhat misunderstanding, um, yeah. but a lot of games do that. So There's, you know, Zelda. Well, Zelda is like most games where you know you up, you upgrade your abilities as you go in in a linear way. So it's like, if for level one you might need to get a boomerang and learn how to use it to solve the puzzles. Level two you might need bombs. Um, and in this game, for the first time, it's not designed with that linearity in mind. It's designed where you uh, just go to to uh, to uh, the levels in any order you want. Which oddly enough. Uh, I think is how Zelda One was initially conceived. Yeah, you can you Frank can do a lot of stuff out of order. Frank gets a point and evens out with Tim's score because that's the thing I was hoping he'd arrive at. Yeah, like if you read the Iwata asks interview about Zelda One, like I'm pretty sure the initial design when it was uh, this is a little known fact unless you really read Iwata asks when it was called Mario Adventure. <laughs> that's the initial concept. Uh, it was Mario a game Adventure. where you where you chose which dungeon to go into, and then you went in and had an adventure, and then kind of got kicked back to a dungeon select screen. Yeah. So they've gone back to their pre-roots. That's cool. Oh, yeah. They sure have. So what is the uh, question? Like how? I forgot the question already. The question is, how would you accommodate this structural change, and what other adjustments would you welcome in the series? Well, I think... Uh, as a structural change, it's uh, basically bringing it more in line with something like Landstalker, where the the dungeons are not so much about the stuff that you find in them that helps you get through them. Whereas in Zelda, it's like you've got a dungeon where you have to solve some puzzles with your brain 
and then you get the hook shot and then you use the tiny part of your brain that remembers oh I have to use this hook shot to grappling hook across that gap earlier in this dungeon and then you can move on to the next set of puzzles so it just seems like now with the the focus on find the thing by using your brain uh, not replaced but supplemented with uh, pay for the thing so you don't have to use your brain as much it just seems like all they're doing is setting themselves up for more clever puzzles or less clever puzzles. So it's like right. they could accommodate it by just making the puzzles more rewarding and more fun, but I feel like what they're going to do is just make make it so that you can skip the brain parts of the dungeon by mindlessly grinding for money. Is that what it is? Minding. Grindlessly minding for money. So it seems to me like I welcome it as a change but I probably wouldn't play that way, and I would probably be very sanctimonious about doing it. I mean, unless what they've decided to do, how I would accommodate this is I would make those puzzles in the dungeon that lead you up to the item, I would make them just, like, rhino-gaggingly difficult, you know? Well, like, I was going to say that I, I would offer multiple solutions based on, you know, having different items, which seems like a tremendous pain. It does. Uh, have you played Legend of Zelda uh, Phantom Hourglass, Frank? Nope. That was the DS one, uh, the first DS one. Oh, I played uh, it for about a couple hours. I actually got bored. Oh, it's uh, it's really good. You might not have been, uh, what do you call it? You might have been I would, in I would, a bad mood. Yeah, you might, have, you might not have been in a, in a really good mood when you played it because it's actually pretty smart. Cause, I mean, it, and it does actually take a little bit too long to get like fascinating. I actually thought it was really interesting from the beginning, but it gets really fascinating once you go back to the first dungeon, like the third time, because you have to mm -hmm. keep going back with new items, and uh, you ha it'll give you uh, more time to survive, like because you get more sand in your hourglass that lets you last longer in this uh, dungeon, and uh, you just have to keep going back, and you get new items, which gives you multiple solutions, which might be faster or might not really be faster, and. Uh, it seems like they're sort of smart enough to do that, uh, and Zelda is the only series probably in Japan uh, or in the history of video games that has the luxury of a, a room full of really smart, really experienced dudes who are getting paid like $2,000 a month for six years. Like they, they can actually kind of afford to sit around thinking and rethinking and tooling and retooling the game, so maybe the dungeons will be super clever with a whole bunch of solutions depending on what stuff you have. The end. All right. So I'm definitely going to uh, pay some money for that game. I was already going to, but now I know more stuff about it, and I'm thinking about it more, and I'm like, yeah, let's do it. The New York Times recently published an article about AAA video games muscling out lower-budget titles from the market. How do smaller game companies fight back? Well, oh, I, th I think they don't. Um, they, I think they, you know, that it's got into a situation, it's it's not exactly smaller developers, it's mid-tier developers. Smaller developers mm -hmm. are doing quite well, uh, some of them. Yeah. Some of them are not doing well at all. But it's it's the really small ones and the really big ones that, are, that have a, a space. It's the middle-tier developers that just, frankly, aren't yes. doing anything that interesting. The single and double-A games, which we've discussed in previous episodes. Yeah, the, you know, your license titles... First-time listeners go archive diving. Or the, uh, you know, the the kind of generic third-person shooter or generic FPS or generic 
driving game. Those those games are not going to be around, and I don't think anyone's going to be sad. It yeah. just doesn't. It just doesn't seem like it's something that people are going to mourn. So I think what small developers can do to survive is keep doing interesting stuff that large companies can't afford to do. They can't afford mm-hmm. to take risks because they have stockholders. And stockholders want to know that there's going to be a return on investment, and that means GTA V has to just have more stuff in it, and you got to spend more money making that happen. But as a small developer, you can do something really weird, like a... I don't know, like that Gone Home game. It's just a two-hour weird little experience thing that you can have that has done quite well. But so, Gone Home is really risky unless you have their pedigree of having worked uh, you know, on Bioshock. Yeah, it's true, but uh, Dear Esther wasn't necessarily... Did they make money driven. with Dear Esther? They did. Okay. Cool. It was it was number one on uh, Steam for a while, and it was in the top ten for a straight month. Then why are we doing anything else? What are we doing here? Yeah, I don't know. It's a mystery. <laughs> yeah, so I think uh, I haven't read this article uh, that this person wrote, but it sounds like uh, it sounds kind of like a dumb sort of thing to yeah, talk they about. They might have been noobs. It's like asking <laughs> like asking how does asking asking how does an independent game developer battle a triple A developer is like asking how does a how does a, a artisanal donut shop battle Domino's pizza. You know, it's like <laughs> you you don't really cuz there's a donut and there's pizza, you know. Yeah. It's yep. like they're they're not really the same thing and I uh I mean, I've sat in enough meetings at enough game companies, and I've I've thrown up in my throat enough times uh, hearing discussions about this stuff that uh, I just don't want to throw up in my throat one more time about it. And it's just like, okay. oh, how do we compete with uh, Halo? You know, kids are out there playing Halo. You know, it's like, yeah, you know, you're not making Halo. And, uh, I mean, it's like, okay. The a lot end. of the time that's probably okay to not make Halo. It's like you're, you're making Other people are doing that right now. Yeah, it's yeah. you're making something a little bit more like Farmville. I don't think they're quite stealing your audience. There. So <laughs> you're insinuating that the New York Times piece on video games is less than a hundred percent accurate. Well, I'm I saying that the thing I haven't read, read is awful, and I hate it, and it's yes. inaccurate. And, and I'm the saying York more Times. like Jew York Times. Am I right? Yeah, uh, I don't I'm know saying, what you mean by that. I'm but. saying I haven't read it, and. Uh, just the synopsis that you offer makes it sound to me like something I don't really want to read. Uh, and it sounds like the people they interviewed are probably nubs and noobs. And I bet nobs. they interviewed Michael Pactor. Did they interview Michael Pactor? Uh, the Pack Attack? New York yeah, did, did, did they go for the Pack Attack? The, the New Pack York game. The New York Slimes? Were yeah. they, were they, did they pick up the phone and go call in Sebastian? Hey... I, I don't know where the New York Times... Uh, I read I, I this in an actual physical newspaper, which I then ate rather than play some video game. <laughs> <laughs> was it the that Sunday edition? <laughs> yeah, it that's sure a, was, Tim. It's a lot of fiber. Oh, you really didn't want to play that game. <laughs> oh, no, it's a pretty bad game. Uh, let's move on to everyone's favorite topic. Oh, God. The Improv Zone. Oh, man, really? Oh, man. I was yeah, about really. to go into the bathroom and uh, turn my camera off and urinate while talking, and now I guess I can't do that. Nope. Uh, and then you can't. Keep the camera on while you urinate. Uh, right. uh, here's the premise. 
After indulging in online romance over an MMO for nearly a year, nice. Frank and Brandon are finally meeting for their first date in the physical world. Oh, Tim, God. their sociopathic guild leader, has invited himself and is oblivious to their relationship. Oh, God. Uh, this is difficult. I'm not really in the mood for this sort of thing. I'm not either. Uh, okay, give me a second. That, this, uh, this is a pretty much how it would probably go. <laughs> yeah, I, I tell you what, this is not this is not going to be very funny. So get ready for that. Uh, so hey guys, hey hey hey, I think we should get some coffee, huh? You know, I was like, I, you had a little bit of coffee, and I think you're going to have some more. What do you think? Yeah, I uh, was. I'm surprised actually to see. I'm gonna that get you what did you here. want? What did you want? What yeah. did you want? What did you want? Did you want a? Did you want a cappuccino? Dude, dude, like I'm cappuccino. trying to. Dude, I want to. I want to see milk. Brandon, give you me steam milk. That's it. That's what I want. That's there's no there's no coffee in that. It's in my profile. That's all I drink. Steam <laughs> so, milk. If okay, you, what, if did, you what did were, you? If you were a good guild leader, you would know that. What did you want, Frank? Uh, I'm, I'm good, dude. I'm good, dude. I'm, I'm all right. Thank you. You Thanks. sure you don't want yeah, a cup of coffee? Yeah, yeah, dude. No, it's I'm, my I'm treat. Cool. It's my treat. It's my treat. I, I don't it's want my any treat. coffee. <laughs> Fine, just give me whatever you're getting. I don't. I don't care. Just, don't just care. Get, get, get him. Get, get something because you want. Coffee. You want milk and sugar? I sure. Yeah. You yeah, want how much I milk? Love, I love. Get, how much get, milk do you want? The normal Frank, amount that people have. Okay. Frank, get something Dude. really complicated because then he'll be gone for a while. That's a good idea. Um, I need uh, I need I need six milks and what's what's the other thing? Sugar. Sugar. That's the one. Uh, seven sugar. Would you like any sort of caramels or frosted steams or <laughs> gingerbreads or? <laughs> Uh yeah, give me give me give me a give me a, a gingerbread. Also. Now that you mention it, a frosted steam sounds pretty good. Would you like a dragon's fang and a wyvern's tail in your coffee drink? Because haha, they don't have those. This is meat space, duh. Okay, I'll be back. I'll, I'll okay. be back. I'll be back. Uh, I'll be back. Okay. Uh, okay. I'll be back. Um, All right. I'll I'll be back. I'll be so, I'll be back. Brandon, did you did you have any trouble finding the place? I know you know it's kind of. Kind of, kind of a weird route to to get no, here. No, it, it was okay. Uh, uh, though to be honest, I kind of thought Frank was short for Francine. Oh. Uh, I would. I was no, just a little but so surprised. Like a, but there's a K. There's no K in 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 Francine. But you had a female avatar, so I thought no, you know, nobody role plays Dude, a, a different gender. We've been voiping every day. I thought or, you w- just had an excess of testosterone. Well, I, I, I do. Um, but my name is Frank with a K. I mean, I my my, my character's name is. Well, you know, it's it's all actually it's it's all good with me. I'm just a little surprised. That's all I'm saying. Just a but, little surprised. I, I, my character's name is I'm a dude. A, I mean, like that's, and my name is Frank. Uh, I, I thought it was irony, you know, like the the kids nowadays. It's all it's all irony with them kids. Well, you know. Anyway, it's fine. I think uh, I think maybe maybe I maybe I I got this conversation off onto the wrong foot. Maybe we should just talk about yeah. tanking. You know, if I, if, oh my know. god, guys! Wh- what's I, up? I, I, I slayed the Sasquatch, and they called the cops. We gotta get out of here. 
They slayed this. What? Wait, but this is meat space. What did you actually slay? I don't know. <laughs> the end. That's the end. I'm done. That's the end of the improv zone. That's the scene right there. Oh, man. What do you okay. think? You <laughs> Play the sound, Jaffe. Play the sound. Hey, thank you. That's the sound of the Sasquatch dying. Guys, guys, I think that was our best one yet. What? It was it was okay. It was... I don't I hope nobody I like people can't actually like these. Oh, people are in love with this segment. Uh, have you, you ever seen you haven't, talking about one You haven't person. seen the numbers. You haven't seen the Nielsen's, Brandon. I those see Those don't Nielsen's. exist. I know those don't Jaffe exist. Jaffe is the Nielsen's, okay? <laughs> yes. His middle name it's is It's my middle name. Alex Nielsen Jaffe. Alex Nielsen Jaffe. Uh, this question your name is, is from, This question is from not one of our first time listeners, one of our uh, longer time listeners. Oh, an uh, LTN. John Simpson asks, video games or their makers often make big promises that they do not keep. Were mm-hmm. any promises were there any promises that you were amazed a game was able to keep? Oh. That's Titans a good question. Having good jet packs. It was kind of. I mean, I don't know about amazed, but I was pretty surprised. They did I don't know job. if it was a. Uh, that was a. Was that a promise that they they didn't they didn't even talk about the game until it was announced. Yeah, but then I they talked about it and then I played it and I was like, yeah, they did do a good job with that. I don't know. It's a. Uh... Hmm. Like, when have games lived up to the hype? Um, it's a good question, is what it is, is all I'm Sonic saying. Sonic the Hedgehog is real fast. Oh, STH, yeah. yeah. Sonic 2 definitely lived up to Revenge that. of the like, Sith. Yeah, Sonic yeah, 2 is more real. Sonic. Yeah. Yeah, um, more Sonic, and it's... It had Tails. What were the promises back then? Let's find out. Blast processing was the only promise that our generation needed. Yeah. Blast processing lived up to the hype. Cause, it uh, did. It it was basically using computer. We're gonna go back in time, boys. We're gonna find out what the hype was. Nice. Using using computer programming and the power of uh, uh, hardware chips, they were able to make an object that was still moved very quickly with Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Like the 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 spin dash. That was the promise that they made was that they had they had somehow reached under the hood of the Mega Drive hardware, and they had learned how to make an object accelerate from arrest very quickly. And uh, that was their promise, and it sure did live right the heck up to that. Uh, this cart promises to hold have on, even more Hold on, hold on, hold on. I want to make, make the going back in time noise. Oh. What? Okay, really? we're back in time. Right. Okay, that's uh, good enough. Okay, this is from EGM. Uh, this cart promises to have even more action. Okay. Enemies... Enemies and levels. Uh, Sonic's <laughs> maximum speed will be even higher than the first cart. Heck yeah! One of the new, cart. one of the main features of right. this new cart is the addition of a character known as Tails. Tails, oh, Tails. Is, Tails is a little fox with two tails. <laughs> he likes to mimic all of Sonic's moves. I didn't know that that was like a, a like a, a character thing with him. I thought that was consi- it is considered a thing actually. Oh, <laughs> dumb as it is. He doesn't quite have sonic speed before nope. a four and a half year old he learns quick. There's Whoa. more than that, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop. I didn't well, know so, he was four and a half. That's creepy. I'm gonna say talking about promises of video games, uh that Super Mario Brothers three was uh definitely the promise of the Nintendo and it was like we're gonna have more stuff, more levels, more suits, uh more power ups, more 
uh, more bosses, just more variation, more graphics, more everything, and they just that's all that it was hyped about. And then it came out, and it was like, heck yeah, it had all the stuff they said it was going to have. It's and true. It was, I remember it's like beautiful. the Nintendo Power preview. It's just like, look at all the power ups. Look, yeah. it's Mario, but it's like way more. Uh, I am going to read another passage really quick though. Uh, to prove that even Sonic 2 didn't live up to the hype that was in the gaming media. One of the gameplay elements that we are excited about is Sonic's ability to travel through time when he reaches warp Sonic speed. Oh, man. Oh. Mm-hmm. Had to wait till Sonic CD for that business. Mm-hmm. It wasn't yet. I think they, they could have spun it as a, only the CD data storage uh, uh, limitation <laughs> could allow them time travel. Um, speaking of CD storage, one of the things that I was going to mention is that there there was uh, some hype re CD sound sounding way better than uh, than chip sound, and though it's ultimately a stylistic choice, it did sound really cool to me, especially way back then, to have CD yeah. sound on things. So I liked CD sound. I mean, yeah. Star Fox kind of lived up to what it was, which was like, look, it's in 3D. Yeah. I'll admit I was a tiny bit upset about Star Fox. I thought it was a little bit too slow and floaty and weird. Hmm. I mean, by that Slutty. same token, I'd say Super Mario 64 lived up to the hype. You know what? That did. That was that was just dead-on, stone-cold, solid hype living up to is what that game yeah, was. Yeah, like... Like every magazine at that time was like, "Oh my god, I, my, I don't, my brain doesn't know how to process this game." Level of hype, and when you actually played it at that time, it was true. It's like I don't know, this is a new thing. Like yeah. I can just go where I want, and it works. Yeah. It's crazy. Everyone spun it as this portal to some magical world of wonder, and that's what yeah. it was. I remember Chris Slate in his review in uh, the what September nineteenth. Well, I'm not going to the issue of Ultra Game Players. He uh, he said his final line: "This is right now, comma today, comma the best video game I have ever played." And I had read enough Ultra Game Players to be like, "Whoa, they don't normally write sentences with commas of that sort of usage. They don't normally." Uh, uh, Say stuff like this is the best video game I've ever played. So the the, the review was a one hundred percent. That's on well a deserved. On I played a I played that game for uh, about an hour when it came out, and I was like, oh, I really like it. The end. Yeah, you were already at that point that where you probably were rejecting stuff that other people liked, though. It Brandon was did, uh, mostly I I was mad about two D that thing that I mentioned before. Yeah, um, yeah. I didn't I didn't like that 3D was ruining 2D which there was there seemed to be so much more to do I thought. Wait, you that? you you had that feeling already with Mario 64? Did you play it kind of late? No, it came it out it came late. out after after Tomb Raider and Crash Bandicoot. That's true, yeah. Yeah, like, yes, there was, I was all already 3D feeling was, it. and Jumping Flash and uh like 3D was already kind of dripping in there and it was a uh, Kind of, I'm using the coffee, like a drip coffee style. It was kind of dripping into the cup. The cup was filling with 3D. And uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was late enough that you could say it was another 3D game, but it was definitely the first really, really confidently good one. It was the first one that, that did all the stuff. I mean, just the way Super Mario Brothers wasn't the first 2D game, you know? It wasn't the first 2D you know, side-scrolling right. game. I just uh, now realized the the possible connection 
between jumping flash and jumping jack flash. It just now hit me. <laughs> yep. Wow. Yeah. Is that they're both a gas, gas, jack. gas? No, it's like jack and rabbit, jack rabbit. Oh, my God. That's the connection that was in my head the second I first saw the title. Yeah. Jumping, wow. Jumping jack rabbit flash. Yeah. This all makes sense. And then the final level of elite beat agents being jumping jack flash. It all ties together. Who's the best king in a video game? The best king? Little king. Little king is a good king. Yeah, Yeah, he's a pretty good king. I like that king in Final Fantasy IV who turns out to be a monster. <gasps> then there's that one Spoiler king who turns out to be Odin, <laughs> and he basically just rips you in half when you fight him, unless you're like really cool and smart and tough like me. I like so the I guess... king in oh sorry in in Dungeon Explorer, which also turns out to be a jerk. Is he Odin? To... His name, oh, his his name is Natas, so probably should have had some hints. Oh yeah, that he was. It's gonna... an anagram of Santa. Yeah, Santa is who he turned out to be. <laughs> Santa, Santa, give me presents. Santa. Give me Santa. presents. Can I have a big present? presents? <laughs> um, kings, huh? Yep. Lord British, is he a king? Oh, El Brit. Oh, yeah, yeah, actually he is. Lord Butish, you should what call about, him. What about uh, Sir Graham from King's Quest? Oh, man, There's King's Quest is... like this at all. The game is all about kings, isn't it? Yeah, he's about a king on a quest. King's Quest. Well, actually, actually, that's not true. The first game... Maybe, maybe yeah. the king in the first game is the best king, because his role in the game is to sit on a throne until you go talk to him. And then he basically goes, hi, I'm about to die. Uh, you should go get these treasures. And then he dies. I just <laughs> want to say that uh, if you've got a king, then you've got a quest. So yeah. um, I'd like to nominate the king in uh, Elder Scrolls for Oblivion, who is voiced by Patrick Stewart. Oh, and then he dies right at the yes. beginning. I thought it was the emperor. Uh, do emperors count as kings? No. No. Uh, and also his son is voiced by Sean Bean, and he becomes the new emperor later in the right. game. So that's better. Anyway. The new emperor's old clothes. Sean I'm sorry. Sean, Sean Bion is cooler than Patrick Stewart, and I think they're both really cool. Okay, I have, I have a really good nomination here. Okay. So do I, but let's hear yours first. So there's a game called King's Bounty. Okay, B. Computing. Yep. Um, and there was a Genesis port of King's Bounty. It was originally a computer game. And there's a speed run of King's Bounty that uh, is about one-tenth of a second of gameplay to finish the game. Um, (laughs) Because the way the game works is the king sends you on a quest to find some thing. I don't even know what it is. Is it a king's quest? And uh, and the way that the the, uh, speedrunner got it to be so quick is that he just kept saving and reloading and uh, kept reloading the save until the item that won the game was spawned right outside of the castle. And he just instantly said it's here and won the game and it went right to the credits. Yeah, because it's in a random location every time. Yeah, yeah, so he just just screwed with the randomization and made it right in front of the castle. So my favorite king is the king in the speedrun of King's Bounty who left the thing right outside and then, like, made a knight go find it. Yeah. All right. I dropped my glasses. (laughs) 
My nomination is uh, I don't want to spoil anything, but there's there's a particular king in Dragon Quest V that I like a lot. I oh think, yeah, that is a good king. I think it's a really good king. Uh, uh, I I thought you were going to say King Knoll, whose treasures you must land stock. King Knoll is straight up dead though, so yeah. he's not. I mean, he is a pretty cool king to have all those treasures and to build that wicked, wicked bad dungeon that you have to uh, spelunk in order to obtain his goods. But uh, Lou. <laughs> I guess oh, yeah. I guess I like King Drool. Who's that? He's from Bonk. <laughs> oh, the dinosaur guy. He's oh, yeah. a dinosaur he a dragon he's guy. In Bonk, so you like him. He's got a big he's got a big dumb hat and he's stealing straight stealing princesses. I think you actually like uh the, the King K rule from uh Donkey Kong better because he's a cr- giant fat crocodile. I think that's who you actually like. Oh that sounds pretty good. Oh man, you know I, how he I don't think there are how... any kings that I really like. You know what he actually? Uh, you know what his attack is with his crown, King K. Rule. He no, throws his crown at you, like a boomerang. Oh, I did know that. Yeah, I did. You know can't that. jump. You can't jump on his head because he's wearing a crown and it's a spike. And well, that's true of any of the kings that you fight, though. Any king in a video game that you fight has a spiky head because of his crown. You can't, but can't jump on his head. Man, but I don't think any those, others throw their crown like a boomerang, though. That's that British thing. ingenuity, you know. <laughs> Only when he's attacking can you stomp on his head. God, and get his get his bananas. Donkey Kong is just like it, Earthworm Jim is one big uncle joke of a video game, and uh, Donkey Kong Country is just one big uncle joke of video game mechanics. <laughs> and that is the end of the topic for me. I'm done with this topic. Everybody else okay. can be done with it if they want. Uh, since our last podcast, Nintendo founder Hiroshi Yamauchi passed away. Guy ate it. Yeah. As a person purported to not really know too much about video games, what can you say about this man and his personal contribution to video game history? I want to say that I think he was actually the best video game king. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I like uh, I like how uh, he was a how he was a jerk and a psycho. Yeah, I, like I mean that. basically, yeah, he was just a ruthless businessman is what he was. Uh, and there's a really good piece uh on Wired, I don't know if it'll be in Wired, but it's on Wired, if you know what I mean, uh, uh, from Hank Rogers, who ran Bulletproof Software and was uh, kind of in, uh, instrumental in making Tetris sort of escape Russia. Um, no, no relation, first-time listeners. To, oh, to Tim, okay. it's true. Tim yeah. is not related to Hank Rogers. Uh, he, wrote, he wrote sort of a goodbye piece to his friend, Hiroshi Yamauchi. Uh, but he described him as a businessman who just made his decisions immediately and then never backed down from them. And and what's what was interesting to me about Yamauchi, from what I know, is that he was always right, um, for the most part. And like he never played a video game. He never held a controller, as far as anyone knows. And yet, yet he was the one in, in Japan, at least in the early like NES days, and probably the Super Nintendo games, who looked at the game prototypes and said yes or no. Like, yes, this hmm. is a good game. We should publish this. Without having ever played a video game, he just kind of knew. Uh, maybe Miyamoto, he was wrong. <laughs> now Miyamoto has that whole uh, thinks of a game that his wife or his mom would play thing. Maybe he's yeah. really... Maybe Hiroshi Yamauchi was Miyamoto's proto-mom? <laughs> or proto Miyamoto's proto wife. <laughs> yeah. That's actually a proto wife. 
there there Start is some, there is some insight there. I think. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's the concept of work spouses. I guess uh, you could think of them as work husband and wife. But the reason Nintendo became Nintendo, both in Japan and then especially in America, is, is because of their ruthlessness, because of how much they just didn't care about other companies, and they just became this giant that, that just steamrolled everyone and was like, yeah, you can make a lot of money working with us, but it's going to be completely on our terms, and also we hate you. Yeah, <laughs> yep. like People just did it, and they that still attitude... Yeah. yeah, they still do, even like like past Yamauchi and everything. Uh, but I mean, the the reason that the video game industry was was saved, possibly, you know, is probably because of that attitude where they just didn't allow any crap on their system. Yeah, they were uh, like, we're gonna try to do this thing, and we're gonna try to do a, you know, and we're not gonna let you just do whatever you want, which was what Atari was doing. Atari was just like, just make some games for us, man. Just well, no, 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 that's actually not true. What happened with Atari was that they just made a system, and they just never imagined that anyone else would make games for their system. So when Activision yeah. came about, they're like, what are you guys doing? This is our system, and I think they even took him to court, and, and Activision's like, no, there's really nothing preventing us from making games for this thing. And that just opened the floodgates for, like, Quaker Oats making video games, which they did. Yeah, and it was just like, oh, yeah, just, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, that's what happened, and there's, like, what, 8,000 video games out there, and they're all just kind of a couple of squares on a screen. Frank, yeah. has there ever been a Captain Crunch video game? Oh, oh God, yeah. I hope so. Uh, yeah? yeah? I want to was... rub it on my balls. Like you, you fought Soggies. I think it was a DOS game or something. I don't oh, think it was an Atari game. Soggy uh, DOS, good old Soggy DOS. There's a good Tony the Tiger and Friends game too. I'm gonna tell you nice. what, Captain Crunch gets soggy just like any other cereal. It's Dude. true. That yeah. guy does not fight the Soggies very well at all. Yeah, Captain Captain yeah. Crunch, uh, guy straight up don't know what he's doing. I never understood that. I, I, yeah. I guess his victories in the commercials are are uh, largely pyrrhic. Yes. Yes. That's one of my favorite um, uh, uh, Perry Bible Fellowship comics was the one with Captain Crunch. Have you guys seen that one? I don't recall. Yeah. Yeah, look that know. up. That's good stuff. Sure I have. Yeah, it's so. a good one. Uh, uh, back um, to Hiroshi Yamuchi. Good old Yamuchi. Well, he was the Captain Crunch of the video game industry, to be sure. He, <laughs> sure. He fought the Soggies. Uh, he, he would not put up with the Soggies crap. Yeah. <laughs> And let's face it, there's a lot of soggies in video games, and especially back then. Straight there were up. people just trying to dilute and to soften uh, the 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 meal of the people. And uh, Yamauchi was just he was just a tough nutcase. Well, yeah, like, and when you say nutcase, I mean we should explain. Like, this is a guy who you go into a meeting, and if he's upset, he's throwing chairs. He's 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 going on a physical rampage. Upending the table, as they say. Yeah, he might have actually done that at some point. I mean, like, yeah, like Jaffe just broke a bunch of stuff. Apparently, um, I wasn't looking, so I don't know. What I wasn't said. looking either. <laughs> um, that was pretty good. I, Jaffe, I was your, your mom is going to be everything's real fine, mom. <laughs> I was just gonna say, <laughs> he's, he's training to become the new uh, Hiroshi Yamauchi. That's Alex. Uh, he's Jaffe. training to become the new, uh, like, angry at his keyboard kid from uh, Alex Jaffe, future CEO of Action Button Entertainment. Right there. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> uh, before you become the CEO of Action Button Entertainment, Jaffe, you have to get ripped. And it's like That's it true. won't be. It will not be a problem for you. I've met Alex Jaffe. So is Frank. Alex Jaffe has a. Uh, 
about he has enough testosterone in his body probably to power like three horses. So, like, I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> but he could, he could, you could, power horse. You we could all know run. horses run on testosterone. <laughs> you could, well, this is that's the joke. You could, you could run three horses on a single drop of Alex Jaffe's blood for for 24 Whoa. hours. Whoa! So this this guy could get ripped in not even six months, and then he can become the CEO of Action. That's all it takes. Is to get, right. You just need to be really scary. He's like, how tall are you? Six four. I'm six four. I'm five eleven, Tim. Oh, uh, you, whatever. You're six four. He's six foot four, guys. He's right. six foot four. Sure. So that's Just, why Yamuchi was uh, <laughs> to pick yeah. contributor. Yeah, Yamuchi was basically <laughs> the six foot four guy of video games. He was a six foot four guy with enough testosterone in his body to power like a dinosaur. And I mean, like, <laughs> let let. I mean, we we could say more about this, like, like the, the the Famicom itself. You know, it's like 1982, and he goes to his engineers who have basically never built a video game system. They've just, you know, they've cloned other ones, basically. He goes to them and he's like, I need you to build something that no one can compete with for three years and also for, like, no money. And just left it at that. And they're like, that's impossible. But because he was that kind of boss, it just happened. It just materialized in front of him because he was that... uh, I don't want to say scary, necessarily, but you know, he, he was that inspiring. He was that. I'm, I'm going to say boss. he was he was that from Japan because uh, those guys don't want to have to get a new job. They yeah. will stay in their office until the boss has left the building, so he could just stay there. And uh, the boss has never left the building, unfortunately. They will continue to get paid zero dollars and be like, eventually, when I'm ninety, this is really going to pay off for me. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah, it's kind of sad. Yamauchi was the right 70-year-old guy to uh, get the people motivated into wanting to be a 70-year-old guy of his sort. Yeah. And I think that's the end. The The, the moral of the story is one drop of Hiroshi Yamauchi's blood could have powered a T-Rex for 48 hours. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> provided a T-Rex. Could have provided – one drop of Hiroshi Yamauchi's blood could have provided a T-Rex – with sexual energy for 48 hours. <laughs> I'm talking about Viagra. I'm yeah. talking about dinosaur Viagra. Viagra. He's helping T-Rexes with the ED in heaven now. Yeah, so Jaffe, you can you can make a horse run with your blood, but uh, uh, you gotta you gotta pump yourself to the point where you can make a T-Rex just basically erect for, for what 48 hours. What did you hours. actually break? You're picking up the pieces of something. Oh, I I broke my ceiling fan. Oh, that's Why'd too you, bad. Why did you do that? Um, just, just, I was in, so inspired by Hiroshi Yamauchi. He was throwing what? a chair. He threw a chair and accidentally up. broke your ceiling fan. Yeah, uh, yeah. But he's got so much, yeah. he's got enough testosterone to make a Man, horse. your mom is not going to like that very much. No. It's okay, it was already broken. Tell your mom I don't apologize. Anyway, let's continue. <laughs> we're going on to the lightning round, guys. Oh, the LR, let's do it. Yeah. Lightning uh, round. This, uh, we're playing uh, title design, colon, art as games. Uh, I'm going to name a famous work of art, and based on the name alone, you have to design a video game. Uh-oh. Name alone. Okay. Okay. All right. Here we go. We begin with Birth of Venus. Uh, oh, it's, it's a first-person shooter with the womb. First-person birther. Yeah. Oh, man. Birth of Venus is uh, uh, basically it's about Jupiter, the planet, giving birth to the planet Venus. Out of its Just planet like a womb. Plan- a planet popping out of a planet. Yeah. Wait, the screen. That, what? 
the screen. The screen. Uh, it's a game where you hold a button down and a, sh- a shrieking noise gets louder and louder and you can't turn the volume off and the, it, you, your score is how long you... Your, your score is how long you manage to hold the button down before going criminally insane. <laughs> it, and, and, the, and the game is able to determine, determine when they have gone criminally insane. Connect that, that new Connect, connect is insane. 2.0. Yeah. <laughs> connect 2.0, baby. That new Connect uh, is insane, so it knows testing. when you're insane. Uh, School of Athens. School oh, of man, Athens. Oh, man, this is a, a, it's a <laughs> game about... Um, Gods and goddesses in high school, and all of the oh, all of the mischiefs that they get into, and who loves Greek who mythology at what time, and 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 the cliques. Yeah, it's it's Greek mythology persona. I, I think it would, bully, it would. I'm good with persona. I think it would be played more like Inazuma Eleven, which is a high school. Man, Inazuma Eleven's so good. That's the yeah. end. Of my, yeah. The creation of Adam. Uh, the, oh, baby. That's all I have to say about that. Creation of Adam, huh? Uh, it's mm-hmm. well, I was thinking of something funnier, but then I it's thought a that it would probably just where... be a, a like a god sim where you. It... But go ahead. It's a connect game where you're trying to touch your finger to uh, to Adam's finger, and uh, <laughs> it's really, really ridiculously hard because the connect is terrible. <laughs> yeah, it just keeps like missing, and like Adam's body. finger keeps moving, and you've got to like try and get your finger onto his and hold it, like touch it for as long as you can. So you're creating multiple atoms. Like, like every time you can manage to hold on for like three seconds, that's an atom. So it's just there's like fingers of like ghosts coming out at you, and you're just like birthing them. And then you have to use your the left hand of God to smite uh, uh, Satan as he keeps popping up to try to prevent Adam. So you've got to keep one hand on Satan, and then the other hand to to birth the atoms. There you go. You should have uh, apple power ups. Yeah, yeah, and you can you can grab them with your left hand and throw them at Satan. Yeah, Adam's sure. apples. Apple but a day. Doesn't he like the apples? No. Because no, the apples the, are... You're the apples, the apples are like of, the truth that he didn't want them don't to know. Yeah, the, 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 knowledge, the knowledge of good and evil. You have to throw those at yeah. Satan, because if you throw one at Adam, it'll stick in his mouth, and then he will become mortal. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the Last Supper. Oh, baby. Uh, I don't want to play this game. It's, it's going to have eating sounds, and I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the sequel to The Last Express. Uh, the Jordan Mechner uh, adventure game, but it takes yeah, place entirely in a Taco at, Bell. At a dinner table. I also don't hobos. like the word supper. I don't like the word supper at all. I Not like it better than supple. I don't like supple. My, mm, my parents used better. to use the word supper all the time. You ready then, for supper? We're having supper. Get in here and have supper. And it's like, God, that word is so gross. And then, like, suddenly they stopped <laughs> using it. Like, it's time for dinner. It's like, what? When did they start doing that? When did they start nice. calling so, it dinner? Game with a lot of eating noises. Okay, dogs playing poker. Oh, that's not that's... the name of a painting. Come on. It, it's Isn't the name it? of the painting. It's it not the name, the name of the painting. It's the pinched pa- with five aces. Ah, uh, but let's just think about it as dogs playing poker. <laughs> it would be a poker game, except uh, the rules <laughs> don't really... Frank just left the room. It, it would be a poker game, except the rules don't matter because it's just dogs. Pitch with five be... aces would actually be a, a more fun, possibly, title to have okay. for a video game. Theme. All right, Frank, come back. We're doing pinch with five aces. He Let the audio records show. Let the audio records show that I've come back with pinched with, excuse me, four aces in my right. hand. Four aces. In a beautiful frame. Pinched with four aces. Fair enough. The game. Yeah, I would own that painting. Aces. 
I would own that. I already do. It's got doggies. Yeah, it's got I, doggies need, right I need in. to get a print framed of something that I've owned for like six months. Do you know is a good doggies? Frame? No, do you uh, know this is not the time. Yeah. Now is the lightning round, Tim. Oh, wait, we do, we do know Freemur in Oakland, yes. We do. That's good. Take me there later, or, t- or okay. show me where. I gotta do All that, right. too. Whistler's right, let's Mother. Whistler's Mother. Oh, oh man, it'd be, it'd be Mother 4. Uh, yeah, that's... Man, but... I was... <laughs> All right, go on, go on. No, I was about to say that. I was be like, yeah, it's just the newest game in the Mother series, Whistler's Mother. Right, it could, because, uh, as you might recall, uh, Itoi said that he would not... Do a mother four, but he's happy to pass the torch. So, so he pass the to torch Whistler. to Whistler, right? Yes, <laughs> pass the torch to Whistler. Pass the, the persistence of memory. Persistence of memory. It's just a big concentration memory match game. It's for kids. It's probably pretty boring. Yeah, <laughs> and it goes on, on television. Too. And it goes on forever. It's just an endless <laughs> uh, concentration match game where every time you clear a board, it gives you another. The best person in the world is the person who's lasted the longest, and your score is the number of concentration matches you've made over time. A Sunday afternoon on the island of La Grande Jetée. La Grande Jetée. Uh, uh, Probably like uh, an adventure game that's really bad. Maybe so, an, uh, adventure, or like an really adventure pretentious game that's really good. I was thinking it would be like Dear Esther, but you've got like little sandwiches and a nice hat. And a, your, and your a sandwich. And your a, sandwich. You got a sandwich, and you got you got a like a sweater tied around your neck, and and cargo pants, and you're like, oh, cargo. It's a really nice day out in the, uh, you know, whatever. They don't, car- they, they don't wear cargo pants in France. Cargo <laughs> France. Cargo France. There's a place in France where they wear the cargo pants. That's right. <laughs> oh, you beat me to it. I was about to do that. Okay. Starry night. Starry night. Uh, would basically be a, a Tetsuya Mizuguchi game that plays exactly like Res, except has Van Gogh-inspired graphics. Good. And it would really Fine. suck, just like Res and Child of Eden. The Great Wave off Kanagawa. Oh, man. I've always wanted to play a video game that looked like a, a Hokusai painting. And yeah, I still Hokusai. think but I it's not based on the painting, it's just based on the name. Uh, so I think it's probably a surfing game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, set in Japan. Set in Japan, and it's like samurai surfing. Would be I was about to say after, like old samurai the, surfing. Yeah. So there'd be it'd, there'd be a colon, and the subtitle would be samurai surfing. And and it's the seven samurai, and they're surfing. Or how big? It, it could be called surfing samurai. Seven surfing samurai. <laughs> no, just just surfing samurai. No, you don't have to point out that it's seven samurai. But when you when you go Surf- and choose your characters, you go like, oh, it's seven samurai. I've seen yeah, there's seven, seven dudes. There's yeah. like the big one, the little one, <laughs> yeah. medium sized one, the one yeah. that's like not very good, the one who's young. the one who's the one who's straight up terrible, and then the one who just can't wipe out. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> and finally, American Gothic. Oh, baby. I'd play that where you play as that guy with a pitchfork. But it's just based spirit. on the name. Based on the name. American yeah. Gothic. Well, it's... it's you're, you're, a, you're a kid who is a goth, and you have Midwestern parents that don't understand you, and you have to find new ways to upset them by listening to Marilyn Manson and going to Hot Topic for your clothes. Oh, so, is it like, is it, is it like a, like a resource management game where yeah. like, you've got to cut out of the mansion that you live in because you're a privileged jerk? Yeah, and, yeah uh, uh, you're just your parents like, have a, a disappointment meter which you have to fill. A disappointment meter? Yeah. Yes. And uh, that's our show, episode 62. Cool. 
you guys should hang out with us on facebook.com slash icpodcast. You can find an archive of our episodes either on iTunes and handy RSS feed or a manual list of the episodes, which you can find at podcast.insertcredit.com. We're still taking votes for the best Super Nintendo game of all time, so let those in and uh, also submit your own questions uh, to podcast.insertcredit.com. Um, we will be hanging out after the show with our live listeners. No, we won't. And uh, yeah, we don't, we don't have to. Oh, yeah. And uh, if you're not here uh, listening to this live, then uh, make sure you join us next week so uh, you can get in on that sweet action. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Alex Jaffe. Brendan's at Necrosofty. Frank's at Frank Cifaldi. Tim's at 108. I'd like to thank Blaine Brown, our editor. And I think that's about it. Are there any other announcements? Honk. That's about Honk. it. Uh, I am uh, playing... Uh, we're going to play video ball at my house uh, in a couple of minutes. And uh, I'm going to be streaming that on twitch.tv slash action button. So if anybody's sticking around, you can watch that. Uh, I don't think we're going to have our voices as audio. I'm just going to record it as video of the game. So yeah, we'll if have you voices wanna... as video, so don't worry about it. Wait, how are they going to stick around if uh, yeah, Alex, Alex's stream? Yeah. Oh, they're, they're not. What, what do you mean stick around? You just said uh, stick around. It's a semantics no, thing. I didn't say stick around. Oh, I, I said I said uh, come on over to twitch.tv slash action. Ah, okay. Oh, all right. Uh, that's where uh, I'm so going to be in a couple minutes. Okay. That's I guess that's pretty much it. Well, first time yeah, listeners, I've been Alex Jaffe. I'm Tim uh, Rogers. Go ahead, Brandon. Oh, I'm Brandon Sheffield. Are we doing it order now? That's I don't know why not. I'm pretty spoiled. And right. now you're playing with podcasts. Podcast over, yeah.